Amen. Well, saints, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation 21. As you find yourself there, scroll on down to verse 5. So Revelation 21, verse 5. It simply declares this truth. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I wanted to um, look to this passage here this morning because I just love that thought that where God says, Behold, I make all things new. At this point, we see here that as he's making all things new, he makes that statement in verse 6 here of Revelation 21, where he says, and he said to me, it is done. It is done. He makes all things new, and then he makes this statement, it is done. So in a sense, what this does is it answers the question that sometimes goes through our minds wondering, what is the best plan to get us to God in heaven? Now, we understand as we go through the scriptures, there's things called dispensations. Some scholars have more, some have less, but there's a few that are very prominent as far as areas of dispensation. In other words, groups of times that are different in how God works with man, his children. You have that dispensation or that time of grace through Adam where he was, you know, created without a sin nature. And some people think, oh, this is the best way to come to God is through that place of innocence. And you can just come to the Lord and, and you're, you've never had an issue. You've never had sin. And, and that's the best way to come to God. And there's others who say, well, actually, no, the better way to come to God is with the law that God could, like he did to the children of Israel through that dispensation of the law and the children of Israel as they went through the, the wilderness and as they developed that system of approaching God through the law, through the sacrifices, through that aspect of what we would call religion, the outward manifestations. And then there are some who say, no, I think the best way to come is just through grace. Just grace, 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 just only grace. And yet we see here that even through that age of innocence, there's always that fear of what happens if I make a mistake, you know? Adam was perfect. He was there with God in the cool of the day. And all he did was take one bite, one fruit, one tree, and kaboom, you know, it was all gone. So that age of innocence is nice when you think about it, but what happens if you make a mistake? The age of law, well, that was really nice. It defined a whole lot of things, but what happens when you break one? And so those are, you know, they, they sound good, but they, they have this issue. They have this law. And even the age of grace. And the age of grace is the problem is what? That we abuse the grace and we actually redefine grace into licentiousness, the very fact that thinking that we can go on and purposefully sin and still have the grace of God. And then this last, you know, dispensation that we covered when we were there in Revelation 20 was that age of the mandatory 
um, righteousness, where he's going to rule and reign with this rod of iron, and no one's going to be allowed to sin. He's going to just man manufacture this huge, hard rule. And then we determine that isn't going to work either, because if that way you could get to heaven, then we're, when the enemy came and deceived one more time, the, the multitudes followed him. That you can have this outward manifestation, this outward walking of righteousness, but what happens? The heart is still tempted. And so which one of those you know, dispensations is the way to come you know, clearly to God? And what God says is this, um, all of them are flawed. All of them have a problem, and the problem isn't the innocence. The problem isn't the law. The problem isn't the grace. The problem isn't the, the, the mandatory rule of an outward righteousness. The problem's us. The problem was never on God's side. The problem is always us, and here God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make everything new, and that's the best way to approach God. Because as we look at this area that, that we have been made new, it isn't about innocence and then worried about falling or the law worried about falling or, or simply saying, well, I'm going to abuse the grace that's been given. God says, the way that I'm going to allow you to come is through this, a redemption. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to purchase you and I'm going to do this work in you and I'm going to remake you. I'm going to make all things new. And when he does that in you and he does that in me, that we have now as Christians this reminder that says, you know, God, your, your law was perfect and the way that you created man was perfect. Everything you did was good. The flaw to your whole plan was us. We're the weak link. But God says, don't worry, I've, I've managed to make you from a weak link into a strong link. I'm going to make you new as well. And that's what he does, because we're aware of how flawed we are and how many failings we have. But then we're aware of what? The power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The power of the Spirit of God who now comes once again to dwell in us, who accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This is where the true power comes. And what God says is, listen, I've got a way to make you where there's no more issue with you. I'll make you new. I'm going to take out this, this stony heart and I'm going to put in a fleshly heart and I'm going to write my law upon your heart where no one's going to have to say, do this and do that because it's already going to be in your heart to do these things. A new heart, a new mind. And I love the fact that God says, I'm going to make all things new. Now we see initially that what he does is he makes this new heavens and the new earth. That's what he says here in Revelation 21 verse 1 where he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and there was no more sea. He's going to make this outward surrounding new. He creates a new heaven, he creates a new earth. And so as he says that, we understand, okay, Lord, I understand this is your heart. You're going to make the outward thing new. That's always a good thing. But just because you make an outward thing new, we have to come into that outward thing. So what does he do? Don't worry. He says, that's not the end of it. Because in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, he made this statement, the spirit, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, 
a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. He's going to give us a new name. Now, as you follow this through the scripture, we've talked about it over and over again, that the name is synonymous with character. That he gives you a name, and that name is representative to who you are. Remember, there was that man, Jacob. And Jacob, his name meant supplanter or heel catcher. And that's how he came into the earth. He grabbed onto his brother's heel. And as we see here, that was, you know, Jacob. He was that supplanter. He was the heel catcher. He was the conniver. And God would say to Jacob one day, Jacob, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you Israel, governed by God. And so Jacob, who was the conniver, now becomes one who's governed by God. And it's interesting that as you continue to read through the accounts of Genesis, that every time you see this carnal nature in that one man, the Spirit calls him Jacob. But every time you see him being directed by God, the Spirit calls him Israel. And you see this battle going on in this one man that God says, I've given you a new name. But all of a sudden he calls him Jacob. Why? Well, take a look at what he's doing, and it's all carnal. It's fleshly. It's you're supplanting, you're deceiving, you're conniving. You cannot get to God through your own works until you're simply governed by God and that grace of God. And so we see here that there is going to be a new heavens, there's going to be a new earth. We're going to have a new name. We're going to have this new character. And I don't know if you've ever heard that statement, and it's true in some senses, whereas Christians, we do make this declaration. I'm not yet who I want to be or who I'm going to be, but praise the Lord, I'm not who I used to be. Because what? God is making us new. And there is this process that I want to share that, yes, when we're looking at this area and this you know, aspect of, of Revelation 21, 5, where it says, behold, I make all things new. He's going to make the outward new, new heavens and new earth. But I want us to focus on what he's going to do in us. He's going to make us new. And there's there's... Five things we're going to be looking at this morning as far as that we're not who we used to be, that God is going to change us. And I want to start off by initially saying that we're going to say in time, I'm not who I used to be. And what's going to happen is this. We're going to have a change of our bodies. This is one that the older you get, the more you look forward to. And, and if you're not at that age yet where you think, oh, I'm good with this body. Well, okay, just give it a few more years. You're going to change that tune because you're going to say, I, I want this body to be like it used to be where it was young and vibrant and I wasn't in all these aches and pains. And, and it's amazing on how much noise I make just getting up these days. I never used to. I just get up and let's, let's work and used to work. And I, you, even when I worked muscles that I normally didn't, within a couple of hours, I'd go out and I'd play football. I'd play basketball. You know, I'd be fine. I'd be sore for just a couple hours. And, but now, now it's like, oh, my God, we're talking days, days in recovery and sometimes even longer. But we want and we look forward to this new body. There's that passage, you guys know it well, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That we do realize that what God is going to do is he's going to create in us this brand new body. I want to share with you a passage. If you want, you can turn there. Found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because what God does with this new body is this new creation. He makes a statement in 1 Corinthians 15 beginning in verse 35. I'm going to read down to verse 38, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 51 through verse 57. But in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 35 through 38, it says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. <clears throat> I love this because what we plant in the ground is not anything compared to what grows out of the ground. Have you ever noticed you plant just this brown shriveled up seed or maybe you plant like a green pea or yellow corn or something like that. But what comes out of the ground is beautiful. It's this green shoot that begins to, no matter what you plant, it begins green. There's life. There's new life. There's vibrancy. And then from that plant, it just grows and there's flower buds and flowers have flowers. And others, you know, the seeds will grow these flowers and they'll turn into fruit. It's amazing to see the beauty of these plants that God makes. But you have to understand understand that what is planted doesn't look like what comes out. And this is what we believe and what we hold on to as a Christian, that what gets planted in the ground or what gets cremated, regardless of how you want to do that, is not what God raises up. And that's what he says, the, 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 the body that they sow isn't what comes out. And so I want you to know that this body here, as it becomes that prison, it becomes less and less cooperating to what you want to do in your mind. Realize that this body here is going to be changed. And that's what here Paul goes on to say to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. He makes a statement in verse 51 through 57. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God 
who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so glorious, so beautiful, that here we realize that this body here that is falling apart, this body here that is going to end, he's going to give us a new body that doesn't fall apart, that isn't subject to the sin nature, and that will never die. This is glorious. So when God says, behold, I make all things new, I'm really looking forward to this one. I wasn't so much looking forward to it in my 20s or 30s, but now I'm really looking forward to this. I can't wait for that new body. I can't wait to to everything that my mind thinks my body should be able to do. I'll be able to do that and more. And how glorious that is. Remember what John says in his gospel when Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he told them in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house, there are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And as I go to prepare this place, that where I am there, you will be also. And the where I go and the way you know, that's Jesus. And what's amazing is this. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a dwelling place. Some people say that it's a mansion. It's a mansion in heaven. And that may be true, but I don't know that in this new body that I'm going to need a mansion. And I don't think he has to make that mansion because as we're finding out what, there is going to be this new Jerusalem coming down. And oh my goodness, is that a huge city? So I don't need a mansion. I've already got rooms in the city that is incredible. But I do believe that it's not a mansion, but I believe that he's going to prepare this body. He's going to prepare a dwelling place for me to dwell in. Because this body here that I'm in, this body that you're in, it's a tent. It's temporary. And he's going to make this more permanent dwelling place. I love the body that Jesus had when he was resurrected. That he could go and simply appear in a room that had locked doors. And then as soon as he was done giving the message, he would just vanish. Just vanish from their sight. I love that about the new body. I can't wait. You don't have to hocus pocus or do mere tricks or anything. You're just in and you're out at will. I can't wait for this new body that God has for us. And so this is where I can't wait to say that physically I'm not who I used to be. But what's glorious to me is this, that I can right now say that I'm not who I used to be. There's this process in the scripture called regeneration, and it changes the way that I think. It changes my attitude. But that is a work of the Spirit of God. That's a work through the Word of God. And so when we're saying that God is going to make all things new, He's going to change my attitude. He's going to change my mind. He's going to change this, how I deal with the newness of my spirit. There's a passage in the book of Romans, and let me read it to you. It's found in Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read from verses 4 through 6 just to keep you in context, but it makes this statement, Romans 7 verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead through the law 
dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. And now he goes on to say, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered, verse 6, from the law, having died to what we were held by. And notice what he says, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit. We're going to serve in the newness of the Spirit and not the oldness of the letter. What happens is this. There's this change in our attitude. There's a change in my spirit because right now, before I came to know the Lord, it was what? Well, I've done more good than bad. Isn't that what we used to think? And even there's some people say, how do you know you're going to get to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. What they're saying is this. I've done more good than bad. They're saying that I'm going to get to heaven through the letter. And what we realize is this, that in Christ, we become dead to the law. We become dead to the letters. We become dead to that writing. And now we're alive in the newness of the spirit. This is glorious to us as a Christian. Why? Because if I'm dead to this law, if I'm dead to the letters, that means that I will never, ever be subject to the law again. The enemy can't say, well, you did this. I'm dead to it. Every letter, every law, I'm dead to. I'm alive in the newness of the Spirit in Christ. And as he changes it, it isn't about me doing this and doing that. But now it's coming in and really absorbing into what? I want this beautiful relationship with you, God. I want to just draw near to you. I don't want to do things for you. I just want to be near you. And if you are doing things, I'll be doing it with you. I'm okay with that. I just want to be near you. So often we think we just need to go off on our own and take care of all the tasks that are needed to be done. But that's still what? That's still the law. He says, I don't want the law. I want you. I want you close to me. And as we do things, you're, you're going to be changed. And I think it's so important about really having this newness of the Spirit. And that's what I love because we're going to serve him in the newness of the Spirit, not the oldness of the law. One other passage to simply jot down if you're a note taker, when it comes to this area of just being renewed in this area of that, that new man, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Let me just simply read it to you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And this is what I love. I don't have to lose heart because although this outward man seems to be getting further and further from the new, the inward man is drawing closer and closer to the new. So don't lose heart. There's so many times where, and I can't tell you that 
I don't know if it's 100%, but it's really close. I mean, I'm looking at 99, 98% of a lot of times when I'm ministering and as the saints who have served so faithfully in their youth and in their middle age and even in their, their later ages, they get to the point where they find that, that now I'm not able to move like I used to. Now I'm maybe in a wheelchair, or I have to use a walker, or I have to use a cane, and they're frustrated because their body isn't doing what it used to be. And they say, you know what, I, I just feel like I'm not doing what God called me to do. And I always let them know, and, and they've so far have always had that spirit where they're able to receive it. It's like, if this is where God has you, there's other things you can do. So although this outward man isn't being renewed, and don't be frustrated because, like, I can't wait to get out of this wheelchair and, you know, start doing the things. That he's, and <laughs> I'll be praying for it. But understand that if God takes a while to do that, don't mistake that what he wants to do is he wants to renew the inward. The outward man is going to get further and further away from the new, but the inward man can always draw closer and closer to the new. And that's the beautiful thing about getting older. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm getting older and this and that. And I know I complain about my body, but I do that for the message, <laughs> usually. And, and, but the inward man is like, oh, I'm growing, and I now understand this about the Lord. I understand this about me. I understand this. And the more and more I understand, the more my inward man is being renewed. And I love that because when he says, I make all things new, I can say this, that my inward man is not what I used to be. Now, I hope my outward man, and I know this to be a fact when I get to heaven, is not going to be what it was. But right now, I'm not what I used to be on the inward. And there's this work that God is doing as he does this regeneration of my heart, regeneration of my spirit, that he changes my thinking, he changes my attitude. And my, my thinking towards sin and my attitude towards others is a huge thing. And the other thing that he does, not only does he change my thinking, he changes my attitude, but he changes my actions as well. Because once my heart is renewed and my mind is renewed, then I don't want to do those things that I used to do. And this is where I can say I'm not who I used to be when God changes my actions. And this, saints, is called sanctification. There's a regeneration within the spirit, within your mind, but there's a sanctification that says that my actions are now different than they used to be. And as far as your actions being different, I want to share just a couple of verses. Jot these down as I go through them. The first is found in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 22 through 24 within this, but let me just share this with you. He says this, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. He said that from this spiritual work that God is going to do, there's going to be this transformation of my actions. And he's going to make my actions new. He's going to change me on how I think and how I feel. To be honest with you, when I was a new Christian, one of the things that really bothered me as far as old Christians is, and you're not going to believe this, but true story, is they hugged. 
Christians hugged. And it's like, oh, man. But I was grateful because there was usually pews behind, and I would just do this. I'd throw up my hand, and I'd give them a hearty Christian handshake. And those of you that know me realize that that went out the window years ago. That, you know, the hearty handshake goes to the women. The hugs go to the men. And there's actually one brother that calls me wings of eagles. He sees me like this. My arms go out whenever I see him. Here comes a hug. This COVID thing has been weird for me because I almost feel like I'm not me. I want a hug. I want to, you know, and now all of a sudden if I got this cold symptom, which is just kind of hanging out there, it's like, I love you from a distance, and, and I don't shake, I don't hug, and it's really foreign to me. But what I love is this. Here, what God does is when he changes the spirit, he began to change my spirit, and all of a sudden, I just wanted to hug. I was like, come here. And you know, now, as you know, I'm a pastor, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to offend me or something? No, you're going to let me hug you. And I love the heart of this because it's this new man which was created to um, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Back again in this text. Um, let me read it again. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. That you put off the f- concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created to God in true righteousness and holiness. I let those other actions go, and then I I now pursue, not because I have to, but because I want to. You have to understand that my ability to hug is not because I had to, because I'm going to rebel to the things that I have to do, but I'm going to gravitate to the things that I want to. I actually want to do that amazingly, one of the passages that still gets to me and I have a hard time with, for the most part, is there's a passage that says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And I understand that that was the way they greeted in that day and age, but that's not how we greet today. That I want to greet my wife with a holy kiss. I'm good with that. Passionate kiss, loving kiss. I'm good with all that. But I don't really want to greet you guys with one. And there was one guy, one guy that for whatever reason, every time I would hug him, the guy would kiss me on my face. And the first couple times it was just weird and weird. And but he was a loving guy. He was just this loving man, an older man. He loved the Lord. His name was Frank Ham. And he would kiss me all the time. And that wasn't the bizarre part. The bizarre part is one day I really wanted to kiss him back. And so I did. I planted a kiss on his cheek and I greeted him with a kiss. And and it wasn't long after that that God took him home, brought him there. And I was so grateful that this was the one man. Now, if you think if I kiss Lowell often enough, maybe he'll want it. It's probably not going to happen. It was one time the work of the Spirit. I don't plan on making that a habit. But it was just one of those things where God changes you, changes the way you think. And this is what he does. Not only does he change your your spirit and how you think, but then he changes your actions. 
He changes the way you operate. He changes what you do. He renews you from that spirit of your mind, and then you do these works that you were created for. You begin to walk in true righteousness and holiness. Another passage found in Colossians chapter 3. Just let me read to you verses, um, the end of verse 9 and verse 10, because the end of the verse 9 says, you put off the old man with his deeds. And verse 10 says, and you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So I'm putting off an old man, but then he says, I'm putting on a new man. See, God says, I made all things new. He's putting in me a new man. And this new man here, although my body will one day be changed, my mind is being renewed, but so is my action. I'm putting on this new man, and it says this, who is being renewed in the knowledge, in the knowledge according to the image of him who created me. I'm being renewed to what? To the image of Christ. I'm literally becoming more and more like him outwardly. Then in other words, what Paul said, what imitate me is I imitate Christ. Paul says, just be imitators of Christ, dear children. That's what we want to do. Now, in my youth, those of you that have seen the pictures, I looked more like Jesus and acted like him. But eventually the hair got cut and the you know, beard got shaved and, and all those other things. And, but then God began to do an inward work. And now it's not so much looking like him, but it's what? If, if people see it, it's, well, I see Christ in you. I see Christ in you, the hope of my glory. That, that's who it is. And they see Christ. But we're being renewed through these actions. I put off the old man. I'm no longer doing the things that I used to do. And now I put on this new man. I'm putting on these new actions. I'm putting on this, this whole thing. Because as you know, that passage in, in Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to let our mind be renewed. And as that mind is renewed, our actions are being transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so we're literally metamorphosizing our actions because our mind and our spirit are being renewed. And this is glorious. So we see that not only is he going to you know, change the way that we think, but he's going to change the way we act. And what God does often is this, that he has a way of him being God as Jeremiah would put him in Jeremiah 18. You know that passage of the potter where Jeremiah goes and he sees the potter. He walks down the potter's house and there's the potter just making something there on the wheel. But what Jeremiah notices is this, is the potter's making that vessel, he sees what? A flaw. He sees a flaw. So what does that potter do? The potter then squishes that clay. He just simply crushes it, and then he remakes it into still another vessel, but a vessel that is pleasing to him, a vessel that isn't flawed. And I think it's so important that what we realize is this, that I want to keep what? Soft and supple, because that potter was working with what? Soft clay, supple clay. Later on in Jeremiah, just a couple of chapters later, it says that there was this vessel and there were, you couldn't do anything. It was flawed, but it was already hardened. And there was only one thing left, just throw it into the potter's field and let it be broken to pot shards. 
that it was now, you couldn't remake it. It was hardened. And this is why it's so important as a Christian, just let his spirit continue to wash over you, keep your heart soft, and then he's going to remake those areas where when we do walk in an area that's flawed, he says, okay, I'm going to bring you back to the wheel, going to crush you down a little bit, but don't worry, I'm going to remake it where that flaw's no longer there. But this is the glory of God because not only does he do that whole regeneration of my spirit and my thinking, but then he does the sanctification of my outward actions. So he makes my mind new, he makes my actions new, and then the other thing he does is he makes something that is so glorious, he changes my goals. He makes my goals brand new. My goals used to be, you know, where I would do this and do this and do this and I would check this off my Bible and check this off on my Bible and, oh, now I prayed today and now I read today and then I witnessed today and all those checks, it would be, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done all these things that I can do. And all of a sudden, I've changed. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I'm yet going to be, but I'm realizing that he's made me new with me pursuing these goals. I'm not following a list of rules that I have to do this and I can't do this. I'm just enjoying this glorious, beautiful relationship. See, because what so often we do is we have a tendency of going by the rules. We have a tendency of saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But when we go through the rules, it's called what? It's the law. It's the old covenant. What the author of Hebrews tells me is this. A couple of verses to jot down. Write down Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8, and Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. It simply declares this truth. Hebrew 8, verse 8 he says, because finding fault with them, I'm going to be back into verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. In other words, if the covenant of the law was good, God wouldn't have changed anything. Because, verse 8 of Hebrews 8, finding fault with them, that's the first covenant, the laws, he said, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I'm going to make a brand new covenant, he says. The covenant in verse 13, in that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. He said there's still aspects that we do this and we do this and we take some pleasure in it. But in all honesty, it's a brand new thing. We don't come to God through the sacrifices. We don't come to God through the do's and don'ts. We come in a brand new and living way. He says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20, um, I'm going to read in verse 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. As he died upon that cross, when he said it was finished, the most amazing thing happened is that veil that was inside the temple. Some scholars and theologian says it was as much as 18 inches thick. That veil was ripped from top to bottom. 
It wasn't ripped from bottom to top. Like God was ripping it and saying, here it is. Now you have this access. You have this access because of what Jesus Christ has done there on the cross. I'm not coming through this old way, through the law, where only the high priest could enter, but now we can all come boldly to this throne of grace. And this is this glorious new thing because my goals have changed. It's not looking to please God by doing this and doing that and looking to not please him by, by not doing this or, you know, by doing something wrong. It isn't that. It's not what I'm going to do anymore. It's just drawing near. I don't have to worry about what I've done or what I'm going to do. I'm just drawing near. Why? Because I can there's not a work that I have to do to draw near. The work has already been done on the cross, and all I have to do is believe it and receive it. And this is new. It's a new and a living way to approach God. And the older you get as a Christian, the glorious thing is this. You can't do the things you used to do. And you realize, I come by grace. And then you realize, I've always come by grace. All those deeds that I did, all the, the things that I accomplished were not drawing me closer, they were just a result because I was close. And it wasn't anything that says, I'm going to get closer and closer by doing these things. <laughs> the way has been made, and I come boldly to this throne of grace. And so I love it because as he renews my mind and renews my actions, he also renews my goals. My goal isn't doing this and doing that. My goal is, I just want to draw near. I don't have to do anything to do that. I don't have to do anything to find the approval. I just want to come into this beautiful relationship. It's not a list of rules and regulations anymore. It isn't what I have to do or what I can't do. I can just come close. No matter what I've done or what I haven't done, I can come close. Because the way has been made, and all I have to do is believe it and act on it. And the other thing that he does is this. He begins to not only change my heart towards me and God, but then he begins to change my heart towards me and others. And he does something else that is brand new. There's a passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. I want to read it to you, but Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Do you understand when he says, Behold, I make all things new? It isn't now the Ten Commandments. He says there's a new commandment. And this commandment is this, Love one another as I have loved you. It's a brand new commandment. It's still, you know, kind of following the old, but he says, it's new because this, you're going to love as I have loved. You're not going to have your own definition of love. You're going to have my action that demonstrates this love. And you're going to love others like I have loved you. Well, what does loving others like he loved me? Well, remember what the scripture says, that we being enemies of Christ, just blatantly running from Christ, what did he do? He pursued us. He overcame us. He set his love upon us. And it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. And he says, I want you to love people like that. 
rather than judging the world because of its sin and trying to stay away from them, we don't judge the world. The world is judged because of their own deeds and the word of God. They're already judged. What we want to do is this. We want to tell them there's a way that they can come without being judged. The way that you and I have come without being judged. Because our sin was already judged at the cross. And so we come with this new heart. The first is a new heart on how I approach God, but then it's a new heart on how I approach others. And this is when God says, Behold, I make all things new. Now, I don't know how much of your life has changed. Maybe you've always thought, I've loved people. I just, that's who I've always been. I can be honest with you, that's not who I've always been. And, and although I love more than I used to, I do believe this. I'm going to love even more as I get older. I'm going to be less judgmental as I get older. At least I pray that's the case. Because I'm going to simply love as Jesus loved. I'm going to simply accept them for who they are. And I'm going to tell them that, that where they are, that, that God loves them as they are. But he wants to come in and he wants to do a work within them. And that as he does that work, there's going to be changes of their mind and of their spirit. They're going to be regenerate, and then they're going to have a change of their actions, and they're going to have the sanctification. There are going to be things that will happen new in them, and then eventually they're going to get this new body, which is glorious. They're going to change the way they look to God, not rules and regulations, but entering into this relationship, and then they are going to love others as well. They're going to simply love others into the kingdom. And as we look to these areas, I love the heart as, as John just simply says, listen, you're going to look at the world, not with judgment, but you're going to look on them with compassion. I don't know if you've ever realized that, that when you look at your own life and you say these areas of sin, oh my goodness, how it deceived me and what it destroyed in my life. Every time I've allowed sin in my life, it destroys something, some form of the relationship that either I have with closeness with God or closeness with people. And sin destroys. And when you, when you look to that, you realize that when I look at these people that are in sin, they may say they're happy, they may say I'm doing just fine, but I know more than they because I realize that what, what sin does is it destroys from the inside. It's that type of leprosy to the inward spirit, that you're not aware of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the blessings of God because that sin puts up a barrier between me and God and that intimacy. Every time that I, you know, am in sin, the enemy uses that to back me away from closeness with God. But every time that I confess that sin and I turn from that sin, God says, come on. I'm here. And the enemy can't use that for me to have a wall between me and God. Those walls come tumbling down. And this is the beautiful thing about what God says. I make all things new. I'm going to make your body brand new. I'm going to make your thinking and your attitude through regeneration new. I'm going to make your actions through sanctification new. I'm going to make the way that you approach me new. I'm going to make the way you approach others new. But here's the problem. Have you ever noticed that you can hear a message like this and all of a sudden you find out the next week you're not quite living up to what you think? Oh, I can't wait to walk this out. And then you realize, oh, I'm not walking that out anymore. Not walking out the way I hoped it would or it's not doing it in the time that I think that it should be. There's a passage, jot this down. 
It's found in Lamentations chapter 3. And there's two verses that are there. Um, And what I want to do is I want to read it to you from the English um, standard version. It's one that you will understand because we sing this song. But it declares this. um, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Yes, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. And I love that song that we sing. Because what I need, when he says, I make all things new, do you know what he's saying? Is every single morning, no matter what you've done the day before, what you've done the night before, what you've done when you woke up and before you sat down with the Lord, what you're going to do later on in the day, his mercies are new. And when God says, behold, I make all things new, Do you realize that every single day his mercies are new? And this is where I just love the heart of God because where I read it in the King James, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. As we look to hear the heart of God, we see this is what I need. When you say, I make all things new, there's going to come a time in heaven where he says, it's done. It's done. That in this new body that he's going to make, it is no longer subject to sin. It is no longer subject to decay. It is no longer subject to pain. It is no longer subject to sorrow. It's no longer subject to any of those things. Because we read in Revelation 21, verse 4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. I'll have no internal pain. I'll have no external pain. This is going to be glorious. Why? Because God has made all things new. And I want to stand on this promise. I want to stand on who he is, and I want to stand on how he works. And and I want to be that person that says, Lord, I want to believe this word. And I think that as we come into this time of thanksgiving, that there is something that we can be grateful for. God, you're going to give me a new body. But in, in that time, while you're waiting to change this body, thank you, Lord, that I'm not yet what I'm going to be in that new body, but I'm not what I used to be. That every single day you are renewing my mind and my spirit. Every single day you're renewing these actions, things that at one time I didn't want to do, but now I do want to do. And through your spirit and through the renewing of my mind, I will be able to do these things. And I don't have to to look to the law to say, if I'm not doing it yet, I'm condemned because what? I'm no longer under that law, but I'm under this new, beautiful relationship. I've been dead now to the letter. I'm renewed in this new relationship with Christ because his blood has taken away that handwriting that was against me. And it was taken away, that handwriting that was taken uh, written against you. 
He's taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So we see that all these things are new. And so we enjoy with him this beautiful new relationship where I don't have to worry about doing something. I can just come boldly to the throne of grace. And I pray, Christian, that if you miss everything else in today's message, may this sink in. Just come to his grace. Come to his grace. Come near to him. Not, I got to repent here and repent there. Just come near to him. Because when you find yourself near to him, all of a sudden you're going to realize, I don't want to do that anymore. That's not my heart. I just want to see you glorified. Whatever you're doing, I want to find myself doing with you. And this is the glorious thing. Not give me a laundry list so I can go and accomplish it, but I just want to be near you. And whatever you're doing, I'll be with you while you accomplish it. It's renewing my mind. And I think as we as Christians, if we would come to that place and say, you know, I want to come to this new glorious thing. Not the old covenant where I got to do these things and then eventually the high priest can come forward. It's this new covenant where I can come boldly without doing any sacrifices, without doing anything. This is what I want. I want this new aspect of coming close to you. And as you come close to him, guess what? He's going to just renew your mind to everybody else. You're going to start loving people as he's loved you. Because every day when he sets his love upon you, because you come near, not because you've done something or because you've repented about something that you shouldn't have done, you just come near and say, wow, you just made this so easy. And then you're like, you know what? I want to tell other people how easy this is. I want to tell them that what Jesus Christ has done is he's made me brand new. Every single morning, his mercies are new. Yes, saints, they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And that's what we want to walk in as we have these incredible realizing that when he sat on the throne, he said, behold, I make all things new. And then he tells John, and I want you to receive this, be a note taker. Do you see how he told John, be a note taker? And I know I tell you guys, and I'm going to start just, we're going to have this right on the sanctuary as you come in. It's going to say, write these things down. <laughs> write them down. Become a note taker. Write for these words are true and faithful. Because what happens, you're going to walk away. You're going to forget those things. But if you write it down, if you have it someplace, you're like, I have it down. I have it down. And God's going to constantly bring you back and bring you back and bring you back to, I remember this day. I remember that message. I remember what was said. There was a glorious thing where there was um, a, a lady who had come on Wednesday, and she'd been tuning into our our message. And she says, you gave this really great word. And she was trying to think of what it was. And, and then one guy says, well, when did you listen? She goes, oh, just two weeks ago. And the guy just opened his notebook and he says, well, this is what he taught on right here. I, I got it right here. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That was so amazing. Well, she couldn't remember. And if it wasn't for this man that took notes, all of a sudden she wouldn't have remembered. She could have gone back and listened to it. But it's so important that when you hear it and you read it and you write it, the very fact of your, your, your memory and what you're able to comprehend is so much more. And so we look to these things and we say, okay, Lord, you're going to make all things new. Why? Because he gave us this promise. It is done. 
There is no greater way to have this intimate relationship with God than the way that he chose. That he said, not innocence, not the law, not grace which could be abused, not even this area of mandated righteousness, but the best way to come to God is this, for sinners to be redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, I, I've pondered this for weeks now, thinking which way is the best and which way has no flaws. And I'll tell you what, the best way that deals with the one flaw in all of it was me. And this is the one thing that he says, listen, I've taken care of the, the, the flaw that is in all these plans. I've taken care of you. I've made you new. I'm going to make you a new body that's not subject to sin. And I'm, I'm renewing your mind. I'm renewing your heart. I'm renewing your actions. So these things, when you get to heaven, aren't going to be foreign to you. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've been doing that on earth for years now. <laughs> this is what I want to do. This is where I found it to be the greatest joy. May that be who we become as we enter into this newness this newness as God makes this declaration, behold, I make all things new. Right, for these words are faithful and true. Amen? Amen. Father, we do thank you for this word in your heart, your goodness and your grace. We do pray, Lord, that we would be those who receive fully what you've shown us today. That, God, if there's areas of our, our bodies where they're not doing what we want, just remind us that one day we're going to have a new one. Not yet, but it will be new. It will be glorious, and we can't wait for that body. It will not be subject to, to decay. It will not be subject to pain. It will not be subject to the sin nature, but it will be subject to you to gloriously serve you and worship you. And so we ask, Lord, that as we anticipate this, renew our mind, renew our actions, renew our desire and how we come to you. You've made it all new. And then renew our heart towards others with this new commandment. So draw us, Lord, as we rest on these new mercies day after day. We ask it in Jesus' name and all the saints of God said, amen. amen.